Shock Monkey Radio is entertainment for adults, by adults, and the views and opinions expressed here do not reflect sponsors or FXBG Public Radio. For additional information, refer to the United States Bill of Rights. Stand warned. Hello and welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. I am your host, the Madman. So I just want to remind you real quick before we get into today's show, uh, go over to YouTube, uh, subscribe at Shock Monkey Radio on YouTube, and uh, I got a bunch of clips up there. And uh, even last week's show, I put up all for free uh, because of a minor syncing issue with the video. And I was lazy. I like September. September is probably my favorite month. So, um, yeah, I also have a cash app. My cash tag is Shock Monkey Radio. So send me, send, buy me a beer. Buy me a beer if you like. But if you're going to spend three bucks to buy me a beer, you might as well go over to Patreon.com slash Shock Monkey Radio, become a patron, and you get access to all of the video content I have behind the paywall. So now that that's out of the way, I just want to tell you September is my favorite month. And it could you would think that it's odd that September is my favorite month because September is the month that I joined the military. But for some reason, I joined the military, uh, the Navy, in uh, September, September 15th, 1997. And when um, th- that 14 days, that 14 days I was waiting to go into the Navy, I was thinking to myself, uh, you know, absorb these precious moments, absorb these precious moments. And the first couple of weeks of September, things, things start cooling down. You may get some hot days, but the evenings, you know, they, the evenings start getting real cool and it becomes real nice. And I really do love September for some reason, even though the second half of September I spent in boot camp, which is probably the, I don't know, probably the worstest experience of my life. Nah, nah, there's worse. There's worse things. But it, you know, it wasn't pleasant. I'll put it that way. So I love September. So I'm in a generous mood. But anyway, if you feel like you're in a generous mood, you know how to find us. Uh, like, share, and subscribe on all of my fa- all, all the various platforms that I'm on, and I would appreciate it very much. Thank you. So um, just, just for S&Gs today, I'm going to pull something out of Mothball, something I wrote almost 20 years ago. Okay, uh, and if you guys like this kind of stuff where I pull up stuff that I, you know, <laughs> I pull out of old, my old composition books from, from uh, the early aughts. You know, if you like that, you know, maybe I'll have more of this, but, um, I don't know, but back in the early two thousands, I know that I played way too much EverQuest because I found this thing. I read it uh, today and I was just like, wow, I played way too much EverQuest. So if any of you out there have ever played EverQuest or are still playing EverQuest, you know, you can email me at madman at fxbgpr.com. Tell me all about it. But anyway, I wrote this, um, it's called uneasy wood elf. All right. And for those of you who play uh, EverQuest, will probably appreciate this. If you don't play EverQuest, you may appreciate this just for the Charlie, Charlie Daniels factor. God rest his soul. This is uh, called Uneasy Wood Elf. <clears throat> I was taking a trip out to NK, stopping by the bank in HK, foraging some berries and begging for so. Just as I crossed the EK line, I heard my stomach starting to whine, and I knew this foraging thing has got to go. My bag was empty and I got up tight because there didn't seem to be an inn in sight, so I just limped on down the path, my tummy growling. I went as far as I could walking through tar when I stopped at this little bar and I looked at a kind of gypsy-looking place called the Don't Drop In. I tucked my ears up under my hat and showed the innkeeper my stomach was flat and would he be kind enough to sell some rations to someone. There was one thing I was sure proud to see he wasn't a soul in the place except for him and me, and he just looked disgusted because he only sold pottery supplies. He said there was a merchant up the road a ways, and he wasn't very busy today, and he could have a runner there in just about ten minutes or so. 
He said, now you just stay right where you're at. And I didn't bother telling the darn fool. I sure as hell didn't have any place else to go. I just ordered up a mead and I shouted for a so. And some guy came in and said, who owns this bow with the rune signs and the cam wheels and four arrows to go? He looked at me and I damn near died. And I decided that I'd just wait outside. So I laid a plat on the bar and headed for the door. Just when I thought I'd get out of there with my skin, these five big gypsies come strolling in and some, and this one old drunk chick and some fellow with green teeth. And I was almost to the door when the biggest one said, you tip your hat to this lady, son, and when I did, my ears popped out from underneath. Now, the last thing I wanted was to get in a fight in Eastern Karana on a Saturday night, especially when there was three of them and only one of me. Well, they all started laughing and I felt kind of sick and I just knew I'd better think of something pretty quick. So I just reached down and kicked old green teeth right in the knee. He let out a yell that would curl your hair, but before he could, I grabbed me a chair and I said, watch him, folks, because he's a thoroughly dangerous man. Well, you may not know, but this man's a spy. He's an undercover agent for the Canos guards and he's been sent down here to infiltrate the gypsy camps. Well, he was still bent over and holding on to his knee, but everyone else was looking and listening at me, and I laid it on thicker and heavier as I went. I said, would you believe this man has gone as far as to tearing off wings of pixies in the dark, and he voted for King Antonia to die? Well, he's one of them long-haired, hippie-type druid fags. I bet he's even got an ogre flag tacked up in the inside of his leather cloak. He's a snake in the grass, I tell you guys. He may look dumb, but that's just a disguise. He's a mastermind in the ways of espionage. They all started looking real suspicious at him, and he jumped up and said, Just wait a minute, Jim. You know he's lying. I've been living here all of my life. I'm a faithful follower of Brother John Birch, and I belong to the Antioch Gypsy Church, and I ain't even got a leather cloak. You can go home and ask my wife. He started saying something about the way I was dressed, but I didn't wait around to hear the rest as I was too busy and moving and hoping that I wouldn't run out of luck. When I hit the ground, I was covering tracks, and I come to the merchant. His name was Jack, and I threw him man 20 gold and grabbed the food, and off I went. Mother Tunari would have sure been proud all the way that I was moving when I passed that crowd coming out of the door and heading towards me in a trot. And I guess I should have gone ahead and run, but somehow I just couldn't resist the fun of plugging them each in the eye with a single bow shot. Well, they're heading for me, and I rooted them good, and I spun around and headed them off for the pass while I was slinging my quiver over my shoulder and laughing at them, cursing me. Well, I had them out there all stepping in a bitching like their heads were on fire and their asses was catching, and I figured I ought to go ahead and split before the guards got there. When I hit the road, I was really flying. I had a friendly druid cast so on me, and I didn't slow down till I heard a couple of bards singing. I think I'm going to reroute my trip. I wonder if anybody would think I'd flip if I went to NK via druid rings. And so that's a little thing I wrote called Uneasy Wood Elf. This is the kind of thing you write when you play way too much EverQuest. So if you want, maybe I'll pull back some of uh, I'll pull, pull out some old, old writings of the bad bears so you can see how I've not really grown. Just, just another kind of crazy person. Just a different, older crazy person. <laughs> anyway, let's go on to this next, next little rant I got. So uh, Gilligan's Island was a hippie commune or possibly a sex cult. Bear with me now. Um, I've seen the damage to the SS Minnow. And I could plainly see that it can be patched up. I was an IT in the Navy. That's an information technology specialist. Okay? And I know that I could have patched up the SS Minnow. 
all right, and you could just roll it, roll the boat back into the ocean with just a few felled palm trees. Is the engine gone or broken? You have all these thatched roofs and stuff like that. You telling me you can't fashion a sail? You have two sailors there who served in the old school Navy who are not ITs. They didn't even have ITs back then. Plus, you got a genius professor there, and you still can't get the boat back in the water? Come on. I think that these loser men that they realized they had accidentally trapped themselves on an island with a couple of hotties like Ginger and Marianne and realized that their chances of getting with them increased exponentially. I'm pretty sure that the press professor had to be the one to calculate the, these new odds. And then he spread the word to all the other guys. The professor is inventing all sorts of crazy shit with just coconuts and bamboo and they can't get off the island? Get the f- get out of here. I think Gin- Ginger and Marianne were intentionally kept in the dark and they're always, oh, well, we can't get the boat fixed. I mean, um, and then we talk about Thurston and Lovely. Lovey. All right, that's a different dynamic. First of all, Lovey is is also sort of hot, even for an older lady, for for you know a rich rich Republican lady. I think the Howells may have just been you know rich Republican swingers, and perhaps Thurston was tired of the hectic life of Wall Street and considered this stranding, quote unquote, on an uncharted desert island as a retirement. Plus, once you consider how some of the guest stars, how often there would be guest stars on the show. You know, you would you would start to think that maybe they are not as far away from their home port as you think. You know, a three hours away back of any away from Honolulu is not very far at all. In fact, I have a strong suspicion they are stranded on Niahau. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. Niahau, which is the forbid, forbidden island, which is in the Hawaiian island chain. Okay, so we're talking about a bunch of dirty old men and sailors. Deep dive. On Gilligan's Island. I just ruined it for all of you. <coughs> and researching that bit, I was uh, like Kurt Russell was on there once. <laughs> How about that? All right, let's move on. How come British and other UK in- influenced countries such as New Zealand, uh, Australia, Ireland, and Scotland, they use the words twat and cunt? far more often than Americans and Canadians. Why do they do that? I always thought that those nations were far more politically correct politically correct than the U.S. and the rest of North America. Now, I'm not saying that those, nations, that those nations use those words in print or other media, but the vernacular in the streets. Not that I have ever been to any of these places, uh, so, so these observations are based upon movies that I've seen in recent years where characters have used uh, the street lingo, Mike, you know? So I guess it depends on the accuracy of these films. I guess I've just seen way too many Aussie movies where some guy walks into a building slash pub shouting, how you going, you cunts? I mean, you can't do that in America. You can't do that. I mean, I'm, let me clarify. I'm all about the First Amendment, but you probably shouldn't shout that anywhere in America because here in America, women have equal rights. And they also have the freedom of speech, and you are both well within your rights to have a loud, annoying argument (laughs) about the C word. It does nothing but annoy everyone else around you. So I'm not saying you should censor yourself, but think about what you say and who may hear it. Ironic coming from me, you might say, but F you. All right? Because you may find yourself in a silly argument with some cunt who can't let spoken words travel immediately into the past and be done with it. And poof. All the bad words I just said disappeared. 
As usual, I am tearing through my show topics, but it's okay. I, I got filler. I could talk forever about anything, really. Give me time. Believe me, staying on script <laughs> is important because you don't know where, where I will go if I don't stay on script in some ways. <clears throat> so I don't like bullies. Mm. Spill my beer. I got a drinking problem. Like that dude in airplane. I don't like bullies. <clears throat> Growing up, I was short, smart, white, and nerdy. I didn't hit a growth spurt until my junior year of high school. And I was bullied quite a bit when I was younger. So now, when I see bullying happening, I get very angry and I want to kill them all. I'm kidding. That is an impulse, though. <laughs> uh, but then I remember that I have forgiveness in my heart and that also at times I have been the bully. So when I see people snatching away MAGA hats or confronting someone eating lunch and make them raise their fist and parrot Black Lives Matter, it makes my blood boil. Those are just bullies. Bullies who, th who think that they are justified in bullying because the media has been forcing down all of our throats that anyone and everyone who supports Trump or has misgivings about Black Lives Matter is obviously evil. So they think, about, so they, think they are heroes. These people think that they are heroes fighting against evil. See, even supervillains think that they are superheroes. Lex Luthor thinks he is protecting the human race from an evil alien with godlike powers who could enslave humanity if Superman so chooses. Rosh Agul thinks he is saving humanity from itself. Nobody thinks of themselves as the villain. These people attacking Trump supporters and trying to force BLM, uh, BLM's ideology upon people, who, uh, upon people think that they are fighting the good fight. People which are that misled can only be explained by the effects of misinformation. Propaganda, if you will. I could sit here and blame CNN and other mainstream news outlets for their irresponsible dissemination of in information. But in the end, it comes down to the individual. Those bullies in our streets... Oh, I lost my place. Those bullies in our streets need to look at themselves objectively enough to see that they are doing what they are doing is wrong. It's a generation of Americans that takes 100 selfies a day and ironically never really look at themselves. Honestly. Jesus said, ye without sin cast the first stone. And you may be picking up a stone right now preparing to hurl it, hurl it at me for mentioning my Christian faith. But the point of that verse is, once the tide has, has turned against you radicals out there uh, snatching red hats and bullying people to raise, uh, to raise their fists for you, you may quickly find yourself buried up to your neck in sand with a bunch of Trump supporters and Christians holding rocks. Certainly at that point, you may find the wisdom of Jesus' words. This anti-Trump, Antifa, Black Lives Matter thing is a fad. It's led by a bunch of spoiled rich kids who look for adversity in life when they are too naive to understand that life itself has more than enough adversity. So there is no reason to cast any stones. You want to fight evil? Fight the evil within yourself. That deserves cracking another beer. You're welcome, madman, he said to himself, unironically. <clears throat> okay, well, I got <laughs> 13 more minutes to fill before the news worth knowing, but uh, I guess I could talk a little bit about, we may have to get in the news worth knowing. It's my show. It's as long as I want it to be. 
So I want to talk a little bit about Cardi B and Candace Owens. All right, I know that there's been a little bit of a uh, a, a Twitter beef between these two ladies, um, and uh, you know, I, Candace Owens is, is pregnant, and that, I mean, it's one thing if a girl's married, but you know, once she gets pregnant, you know, it's like, eh, you know, I guess, I guess it's for good, you know. It's, if a girl you're interested in, she gets married or something like that, you're like, um, uh, maybe one day they'll <laughs> get divorced or something like that, and it's a little cold-hearted, but you know. You know, a single guy like me in the mid-40s, you know, hey, got to keep your options open. But anyway, Candace Owens is pregnant. But um, that being said, uh, Cardi B is ugly. Candace Owens is hot. And I want to explain why. First of all, Cardi B is ugly. Look at her face. She is an ugly person. That's why she wears so much makeup. Always changing her hair. You know, she's not an attractive woman. All right? And uh, I think that that's quite obvious. It's quite obvious because uh, I, I really don't like the manner in which he speaks. Um, I don't really like uh, hood talk, I guess, is the, the only thing I can explain it, explain it as. I really don't like it. I think that it's an, uh, it's, it's an interesting a- a aspect of American culture. I like all, like, I like all accents. Uh, about America, you got like you got the Boston accent, you got New Yorkers, you know, you got you got Southerners, you got the Southerners, you know, you you got the you got the Midwest, yeah, you got the Midwest, eh? you know, <laughs> which sounds suspiciously like Canada, but it's you know, I I really do like the aspect is like in you know in urban populations, you know, there's a, arisen this dialect called abonics, and I think that that's interesting, absolutely. However, for a mate in my life, is like I I don't want somebody who talks like that, who talks like they come from a world of crime, you know. And not saying that ebonics means criminal, it's just that you know, in uh, there's a lot of criminal elements within quote unquote black culture, and that is reflected in. Uh, their uh, it, the vernacular, you know their their vernacular, and so and, and it's like because all the slang start first started coming from criminal, uh, criminal enterprises, you know, selling drugs, you know, all the slang started <laughs> from criminal enterprises, and then you know it broadened out and got more and more, uh, you know, broadening out to other things beyond. Oh no, you didn't, you know. It's just they become colloquialisms that become assimilated into American the American lexicon, and I don't mind that. If I was dating Cardi B, you know, and she every now and then said, "Oh no, you didn't," or like brought out a little hood, I can get I get that. That's fine. But if like if that's the only way you talk, I, eh. additionally, I do not like. I can't stand the women have any long nails. I cannot stand women with long nails. That's just like a personal thing of mine. You know, I don't even like them when they're like just a little bit. It's just, I. I feel in danger around women like that. Because so, <laughs> I'm the guy, kind of guy who drops C words. All right, so here's the thing. It's like, I really don't like long nails, especially when they're super long. Like, it's like, don't you have a job? I know you're a singer and shit like that, but I mean, you know, don't you want to like uh, take some swings at the batting cage one day? I mean, maybe it's different for, <laughs> for uh, you know, female musicians than it is for, you know, a, male podcaster, but I mean, I would like to be able to do things with my hands sometimes, you know, whether it's read a comic book or like build something or lift something, but that's the whole point of those long ass nails. That's a way of saying, I don't have to do a goddamn thing in my entire life. Somebody else is paying for these nails. All right. 
That's why I hate those long ass nails. Plus, I think about those guys in like the Guinness Book Guinness Book of World Records. That guy who like spent like eighty years of his life growing growing six feet of curled ass, funky ass nails that got to be sprayed down with Lysol every day. I mean, how rich are you that that's what you decide to do with your life? Just grow out your fingernails on one hand. I guess you need one one to keep stroking it because it was a dude. It's like you can't have both hands like that and be a dude. There's no way. There's no way. Yeah, so I really don't like those long fingernails. I don't like the women who talk hood. I certainly don't like women who are completely ignorant when it comes to politics. All right? If you're just parroting crazy leftist nonsense where you think Joe Biden, Joe Biden, they're going to put y'all back in chains. Joe Biden, sniffy Joe Biden, uh, where am I? Where am I, Joe Biden? It's like, I don't know how you can lie to yourself. You know, I don't know how much the DNC is paying you, Cardi B, you know, but that's ridiculous. Candace Owens is hot, all right? Not only is she beautiful and with, it, with absolutely no makeup, she's intelligent. She knows what she's talking about. She brings actual facts. One on, and the cherry on top of the Sunday that is Candace Owens is the fact that she goes to black communities, goes to black uh, place, places in, within the black community and tells black people her opinion, the truth, and the facts. She has the courage to do that when these people are a very, can be very mean. I've seen videos of Candace Owens talking to people where they're very mean to her. Very mean to her. I don't, I don't, I'm not on Twitter, but I, from what I've read, there's like there's tons of horrible things that people say about Candace Owens on Twitter. All right. That she's like a tr race traitor and stuff like that. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. You know, I really hate the idea that, you know, there's some sort of like, like being, being intelligent, speaking articulately, you know, that kind of thing is white privilege. It's like anybody can learn to speak articulately. Anyone can learn to do that. And when you speak articulately <laughs> better than I do, like Candace Owens does, you know, you you can you can con uh, convince far more people. You could be the smartest guy in the hood talking hood, but you're only going to reach people in the hood that understand that dialect. All right? Speaking articulately better than me is, <laughs> is, is important because it can reach everybody. Everybody can't understand that because everyone's had to fill out a job app application. Where y'all working now? The first question. <laughs> Who's your mama? What day were you born? Anyway, so Candace Owens, super hot. Cardi B, not so hot. Not so hot at all. Well, I'm going to have to go ahead and get into the news worth knowing. I know it's early. <coughs> uh, so you're not going to see the stinger, for those of you, sorry, patrons, who would see... Who watch patrons who watch you're not going to see the uh, news worth no one stinger so let's just go right into the first story for the news worth no one new york city protesters leading li lives of wealth and privilege busted for rioting uh seven comrades quote-unquote comrades had their mugshots tweeted out by the nypd early wednesday the so-called revolutionaries who are uh, were busted for rioting and then uh, at at a new African Black Panther Party rally, took a break from their yacht club lives and modeling careers to be a part of the mayhem. 
The seven comrades, including wealthy, uh, wealthy Upper East Sider Clara Kraber, had their mugshots tweeted out um, by the NYPD early Wednesday, days after their arrest, for smashing storefront windows in the Flatiron District. They were cuffed during a protest organized by the Panthers and the revolutionary abolitionist movement groups condemning the death of Daniel Prude, who was killed while in custody of the Rochester Police Department in March. Aside from Kraber, the redheaded daughter uh, of the architect and child psychiatrist with a second home in Connecticut, five of the other suspects also appear to have come from privileged backgrounds, leading one police source to call their actions the height of hypocrisy. <laughs> um, Frank Fuhrmeister, 30, of Stu, Stuvasant Heights, sorry, charged with rioting in possession of a graffiti instrument, <laughs> is a freelance art director who designed ads for, the, for Joe Coffee and has worked, also worked for Pepsi, Samsung, and the Glenn Levitt, along with other high-profile brands, his LinkedIn profile and portfolio shows. He studied fine arts with a concentration in photography at Florida State College in Jacksonville, according to his LinkedIn. And his most recent address is a stately home on Reed Island Drive in the city's Tony Beacon Hills and Harbor neighborhood public records show. <clears throat> I guess if you live in New York, you, you know. <laughs> or the Jacksonville. If you know Jacksonville, you know the rich neighborhoods. I guess that's what they're talking about. Uh, Adi Stragovich, 20, is a student at Sarah Lawrence College from Great Neck, Long Island, according to the police and her family. Uh, the young activist lost her phone during a rowdy weekend protest and promptly called up her mother, who made arrangements to replace her cell phone right away, her mom told the Post. Quote, she hasn't been terribly in touch. She's been off doing her own thing, said Stragovich's mom, Jacobowitz, uh, an English professor at Queensborough Community College. They're all kid, they're kids, of, they're kids of professors. And, Quote, I kept thinking I would get a call from the hospital or she'd get arrested because it seems like it's just dangerous times right now. She said, who didn't know her daughter was arrested, told the Post. Quote, at least she's not on Rikers, she said. Jeez, Louise. Before joining the protest, Dragovich was an accomplished musician who spent time performing at a local theater groups and at the Sea Cliff Yacht Club, according to Great Neck Record, which photographed her during a 2017 show. The article quotes her teacher who said how impressed she was with Stragovich, who performed f uh, from her extensive repertoire of jazz numbers. In 2018, while, senior, while a senior at Great Neck High School, Stragovich organized a walkout at the school following a mass, uh, mass shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, according to the Island, New, the Island, the Island Now. Quote, it really invigorated me. I felt like my generation is finally coming into its moment, Stragovich told the outlet at the time. Quote, unfortunately, that power has come from the fact that there were the ones being hunted and killed. Most recently, Stragovich was at Occupy City, uh, Occupy City Hall in July, where she spent time fixing sandwiches and plastic bags of granola for breakfast, according to the New York Times, which interviewed her. Stragovich has been charged with rioting and did not respond to a request for comment. Claire Severine, 27, who lives in Washington Heights and has been charged with rioting, appears to have been a signed model and, and with the We Speak agency, uh, who has who has had the ability to jet between Montreal, Quebec, and Dublin, Ireland before set, uh, settling in the Big Apple to pursue a career in acting, according to a modeling profile with the same name. Quote, Claire has always been a has had a profound respect for nature and enjoys hiking, photog uh, photography, photographing, photographing these hikes and tried to get the, I'm an idiot, photographing these hikes and tried to get other people excited about our wonderful planet. Her modeling profile gushes. 
<sighs> she believes beauty can be found any, everywhere and in everybody if you just look around. Severine, who lives on Abbott, Abaddon Avenue, could not be reached for comment. Yeah, I bet. Et Carceret, a 27-year-old from Brooklyn who, is, who summered in Europe as a kid, is charged with writing and possession of a graffiti instrument. When approached for comment at his pr- uh, Prospect Park South apartment Wednesday, Surratt barked, I don't want to talk to you. You can go away. And then slammed the door in the reporter's face. Elliot Ruka, a 20-year-old from Portland, Oregon, charged with writing, is the son of the famed comic book writers Greg Ruka and Jennifer Van Meter, according to the father's online bio. It's a news worth knowing. Stinger. <laughs> yeah. So um, Penn, uh, Greg penned the comic book series The Old Guard, which he then adapted for a Netflix film of the same name and, co- and co-created Stumptown, a comic series that ABC optioned for into a TV show last year. Anyway, so, yeah, it's a bunch of privileged white kids LARPing in downtown New York, you know. And so they, uh, they get a... <sighs> Some people. Some people. You know... I got friends on Facebook, like, are <laughs> they're messaging me, and I was like, I can't talk right now. I'm doing my show, and they probably don't know I'm doing my show right now. In all fairness, let's go on this next story. Uh, Rhode Island professor says killing by Portland activists is okay from a moral perspective. "Quote: He killed a fascist." Yeah, the, uh, the professor had previously called for the NRA executive Wayne Lapierre's quote head on a stick. A Rhode Island professor with a history of incendiary comments against conservatives is under fire this week for appearing to suggest that the fatal shooting of of a Patriot Prayer supporter during unrest in Portland last month was morally justified. The the comment from Eric Loomis, a a history professor at the University of Rhode Island, came in response to a comment on his blog post, Why Was Michael Reinhold Killed? The post questioned whether police deliberately murdered 48-year-old Michael Reinhold the man who fatally shot Aaron J. Danielson on August 29th, the night Trump supporters clashed with backers of Black Lives Lives Matter in Portland. Quote, I am extremely anti-conspiracy theory, but it's not a conspiracy theory at this point in time to wonder if the cops simply murdered him, Loomis wrote. The police is shot through with fascists from stem to stern. They were openly working with the fascists in Portland as they were in Kenosha, which led to dead protesters. By fascists, quote unquote, Loomis is ostensibly working, uh, referring to Trump supporters of, and members of Patriot Prayer, Prayer, a group founded by conservative activist and former Washington State, Washington Senate, Senate candidate Joey Gibson. The group has been portrayed by the mainstream media and the Southern Poverty Law Center as a far right hate, hate group, even though uh, Gibson has denied this character, characterization. Last week, law enforcement officers investigating Danielson's death fatally shot Reinhold after locating him in Lacey, Washington. Earlier that day, police, uh, Portland police had obtained a second-degree murder warrant for Reinhold in connection with Daniel's death. Quote, Michael Reinhold is a guy who killed the fascist in Portland last week, Loomis wrote on his September 4 blog post. He admitted it and said he, scared the cops, he was scared the cops would, would kill him. Well, now the cops have killed him. In the comments section, a reader apparently uh, appeared to challenge Loomis's defense of Reinhold, writing, Eric, he shot and killed a guy. Loomis responded, Reinhold killed a fascist. I see nothing wrong with it, at least from a moral perspective. He then compared Reinhold to John Brown, the radical abolitionist in the mid-19th century who advocated for the violent tactics to eradicate slavery in the United States. After receiving some online scrutiny, Loomis followed up with another blog post on Wednesday, which he insisted that he immediately called that he wouldn't be intimidated by so-called fascists trying to cancel him. 
Well, he seems like a real pleasant fella. It's okay to kill somebody because they believe something different than me. What an evil man. Anyway, we're zooming. We're zooming right through. We're zooming right through this show. Chiefs fan, Chiefs ban fans from wearing Native American headdresses, face paint to games. The change is part of a social justice push from the NFL teams. The limited number of Kansas City Chiefs fans who will be in attendance at Arrowhead Stadium on Thursday night to watch the defending Super Bowl champs take on the Houston Texans will not be allowed to have any Native American-like headdresses or face paint. But it's still called Arrowhead Stadium. Why this? Why are you picking on this? Why this? Headdresses are cool. Anyway, the rules are part of a push for racial justice following the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis months ago, which caused the NFL teams and players to find their voices on social initiatives. NFL teams with Native American mascots faced increased scrutiny, leading the uh, Washington football team to remove its Redskins nickname and that has stood since 1933. Students at Haskell Indian Nations University in Lawrence, Kansas, were among those who, were, who called for the Chiefs to make some changes. Quote, using this ma- mascot and having this fan, va- fan base of predominantly white people wearing face paint and headdresses is go- and doing the tomahawk chop, and it energizes them and gives them this sense of power, and they think they're doing nothing wrong with doing that is, doing that is just mind-boggling to me said former student government president uh, William Wilkinson, who is Navajo, Cherokee, Mandan, Hidatsa, and Arakara. He added that the team name must also change eventually. Quote, it dehumanizes us and gives, gives us Native Americans this picture of being this savage beast that is hungry for fighting when in real life we were nothing like that, the 22-year-old said. Ghislaine Krauser? The executive director of the Kansas City uh, Indian Center said it was wrong to use, quote, a race of people as a mascot and that she believes momentum on the issue c- issues could be shifting. At least one fan saw the changes as an overreaction. Ty Routon, who attends games as uh, as the X Factor, usually dressed with an arrowhead on his head, beads and a cape signed by players, <laughs> said the only change he's making is sticking duct tape on his face with Bible verses across it. Wow, that's Extreme reaction. It is something that gets us riled up together, and we all do as one. It has never meant to be. It, it has never been meant to be disrespectful at all. Routon said, "The Chiefs will allow sixteen thousand people in attendance to the first game of the season." Look, headdresses are cool. All right, I really don't know how we can respect the 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 culture of the Native Americans when we're trying to ban it from everything that it's involved in, you know? In many ways, that's, that's all that's left. I mean, yes, these people still exist, and I, I don't want to offend them at all, you know, but, I mean, I think the headdresses are cool. And it's not about, you know, being a, a war, you know, a warrior kind of thing. You know, I believe the headdresses were for, like, uh, wise men, if I remember. I, the Cherokee? If I'm wrong, you know, you can email me, madman at fxbgpr.com. But I think like the headdresses were for wise men. And so I think that in, you know, not that I've ever been a Kansas City Chiefs fan, but I think that that, you know, if people was like, where the hell did that crazy ass hat come from? And then you do a little research and you're like, huh, that's interesting. I learned something new today about a culture, you know, I don't have an opportunity to run into because of, you know, horrible, horrible, horrible 18th and 19th century. 
Anyway. <coughs> okay. So, yeah, three stories. All right, let's go on to this next story. All right, a British hiker, 80 years old, missing for three days, shows up at his own press conference. (laughs) The octogenarian was separated from his group in a hailstorm on Sunday. An 80-year-old man who disappeared while hiking in England on Saturday showed up at his own press conference Tuesday as his family members were about to organize a search party to find him. A video posted on Facebook by the Tan Hill Inn where the press conference was set to take place shows octogenarian Harry Harvey being led into the pub by rescue officers and embraced by what appear to be emotional family members. Inside the pub, after reuniting with his family, he said he got separated from his group when they were caught in a heavy hailstorm Saturday. Once he was on his own, he said he went to Plan B, which involves staying warm and safe. Where we got separated, this is a quote, where we got separated and uh, we're at, and absolutely desolate. There is no chance of putting a tent up, that's for sure. So I had to find somewhere safe, and that's what I did, he said. In the three days he spent alone, he said he peri- periodically saw people far away but couldn't reach them. Quote, I used my whistle, the distress call, but to no avail, he said. Ooh, frustrating. Harvey was well prepared and relatively unscathed other than bumping his head at one point while trying to cross the stream and losing his glasses. His son said the family was relieved. Quote, we know he's experienced, but not three days. It's taken a little bit to the extreme. <laughs> so you think about like, that first day, it's like, he's probably still out there somewhere. The second day, I was like, ah, maybe. Three, no, nah, three days, man. <laughs> We're looking for a body now. <laughs> That's your family, bro. Anyway, the North Yorkshire police said that they, uh, uh, he was found by a wildlife photographer who noticed Harvey waving at him from a distance. Quote, I was out taking photographs of grouse, and instead of grouse, I found Harry. <laughs> Annette, Annette Pyra. Is that, did I pronounce that right? G-R-O-U-S-E, grouse. Is that some sort of... British bird. <laughs> and I found Harry. Anyway, Aunt, uh, her name is Annette Pyra, the photographer who, the photographer who said uh, that, uh, wow, listen to this. The photographer who him said, according to the BBC. Wow. Oh, according to him. That's a weird way to phrase it. Of course, I had passed. I had passed Tan Hill with a heavy heart because I knew I, he hadn't been found, and I thought that after three days he was not going to be found. It was quite unsettling to see the police and sniffer dog, she recalled. I just looked up and fell, and this gentleman waved at me. I got out of my car and said, Are you Harry? Have you been missing for three days? <laughs> it's like, when's the clock start? And he said, Yes, and I started crying. More than 100 mountain rescue members were involved in this search, according to this... Uh, Swaledale, I hope I hope that's not the way it's pronounced. England, Swaledale Mountain Rescue Mountain Rescue Team, uh, New North Yorkshire Police, the North Tyne Mountain Rescue Team, and the Royal Air Force also helped survey the area. "Quote: If I'd have known, I wouldn't have come back. Not here," Harvey said at the press conference broadcast by the end on Facebook Live, joking that he would have taken a different room, route home to avoid the attention. I could have done with I could do without all of this. <laughs> 
<laughs> Quote, this is fantastic news that Harry's been found safe and well. Local inspector Mark Gee, Gee, Gee said Tuesday in a statement, I want to thank all the search volunteers for their time, as well as gamekeepers, estate owners, farmers, and local residents for their help and understanding. Thanks for getting dressed up and coming out. And <laughs> thanks also to the Tanhill who looked after the volunteers and Mr. Harvey's family. It's like they had sandwiches and stuff. They're working to go out. <laughs> Everyone have a Gatorade bottle, and then the dude just walks in. Anyway, the Yorkshire Dale, Dollies, Dales, Dollies, uh, where he was lost, features a rolling landscape of lush dales, valleys, and um, winds, windswept hills like the famous Three Peaks and the vast expanses of heather-covered moors. Heather-covered moors according to the National Park website. I would be pissed if I walked in and they're doing a press conference. It's like, seriously, I'm lost in the woods? You're talking to the media? I had to find my way back here. I shit in a squirrel hole. <laughs> Jerks. <laughs> um, yeah, let's go on to this next story. Next story here. Hey, 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 Cunningham. Anyway, a World War II veteran's wish is granted. Casket to be painted like a pack of juicy fruit. Study economy endeared himself to his community over years by giving away packs of gum. An ailing World War II veteran is having his casket painted to resemble a pack of juicy fruit, the gum he'd happily handed out to people in his Virginia community for decades. Suddy Economy, 94, has suffered health problems over the past year, is being cared for uh, at the VA hospital in Salem. His health has, been, has since improved slightly, and he has been moved to the Virginia Vet- Veterans Care Center next to the hospital. Economy served in the Navy aboard the USS English in the Pacific during the war. <laughs> they say the war, like everyone knows you're talking about World War II. Earlier this year, <laughs> he sat down with local station WFXR-TV and recounted his experiences for Memorial Day. A longtime friend, Sammy Oakley, Oakey of Oakey's Funeral Service and Crematory in Roanoke, said Economy said that he at the Economy asked that his case, casket be painted like a pack of his favorite gum when he dies. <laughs> Quote for decade for decades, Suddy has been known to uh, known as the guy who takes packs of juicy fruit to restaurants, doctors' offices, funeral homes, fire firehouses, etc., and gives them out to everyone he sees. This is what Oakey said. And he has probably purchased tens of thousands of packs of gum over the years. <laughs> Mars Wrigley, the manufacturer of the gum and other candy, initially denied, uh, initially denied permission to use their federally registered trademark on a casket, Oakley said. But Oakley's funeral service posted about Economy's unusual request on social media, garnering a large community response. Oakley told WDBJ-TV that someone in the community gave him a small gave him the email address of the candy company president, whom, whom he then wrote about the economy's, re- about economy's request. A couple of days later, he got a response saying the company was making an, an exception for the veteran. Quote, we appreciate the role our products have played in creating better moments and more smiles for this individual and the Roanoke community, a company spokesman told Fox News. Oki said the casket will either be painted to look like a pack of juicy fruit <laughs> or a Paul with a logo with a casket will be laid over the chest. Oh, laid over the casket. Paul with the logo will be laid over the chest. Casket. Oki said the casket or Paul won't be painted until economy passes away, which hopes will be a long time off. Well, they're not going to paint it right now. The guy's not dead yet. You know. But still. <laughs> Why the hell not? It's only going to be seen once, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
why the hell not? Anyway, 6.45, this is the last story. It's going to be a short show today, apparently. So, um, topless voter shocks New Hampshire poll workers in dispute over political clothing rule. Her t-shirt read, the McCain, McCain hero Trump zero. New Hampshire woman walked into a polling station Tuesday with a political t-shirt, but pulled it off in a flash of defiance <laughs> and voted topless when officials told her campaign clothing was banned, according to local reports. The unidentified female entered the Exeter Gymnasium with a shirt depicting President Trump and the late Senator John McCain. Town moderator Paul Scafidi told her that she had to either take it off or cover it up. So she, it's summer, dude. No, yeah, nobody's going to. So she slipped out of it <laughs> and grabbed her ballot. The union leader recounted. She was not wearing anything underneath. Ooh. Quote, boom, the shirt's off. Scafidi told the outlet. And she's standing there saying, how's this? <laughs> he said there were about 15 voters at the poll and didn't notice any children. That's the important part. If there were children there, that would have been a different story. But hey, 18 to vote, you're old enough to see boobs. So, uh, <laughs> but the voting booths had their curtains removed due to the coronavirus. So even the people who are currently voting could see it. Nice. Nice. That would suck to like come out of the voting booth and say, hey, dude, some, some chick flashed herself. And you got to like hang around and wait for her to come back out. Anyway, uh, he said they're about, yeah, blah, blah. anyway, uh, Andrea Shine, who witnessed the incident, said she laughed according to the report. Quote, I think we all kind of needed it, she said. With everything that's going on in the world, it's like, who cares? <laughs> Still, it was unexpected for ele election officials. <laughs> Nobody expects that chick's ch tits. Uh, quote, she should have just gone into the hallway and turned it inside out. <laughs> Scafati told Seacoast Online, adding that he, <laughs> that he could have had her lawfully removed, but preferred not to escalate the situation. Quote, if she felt it was her right, more power to her, he said. We all laughed about it as things were winding down. So I don't know if it was a setup, but I never experienced anything like that. The t-shirt's Im imagery mocked the president and praised McCain, saying McCain hero Trump zero, the outlet reported. Uh, Lovey Roundtree, Roundtree Olaf, a member of the Exeter Board of Selectmen, similar to a town board or council, <laughs> said it happened so quick, quickly there was no time for anyone to complain, she told the, un the union leader. You know what? America's a crazy place full of crazy people, you know? And even if you don't agree completely, with uh, somebody who has a, a political opinion and they wear a shirt. It's like, I understand why they didn't have those rules. It's like you, uh, you probably shouldn't wear a political shirt uh, to, to the polls. I understand that. I really do. But that being said, you know, if, if somebody who has the guts to wear something like this and they're told to remove it or, you know, cover it up, you know, then, you know, <clears throat> told to remove it or cover it up, you know, and then you just take it off, you know, why the hell not? Everyone's freaking out anyway. It's, it's 2020. It's, it's Mardi Gras. You know what I mean? It's like everyone's losing their minds, so why not lose your mind at the polls? I mean, you know it's going to be crazy no matter what. Come in November, you know, everyone's going to be wearing masks until the early November. All the riots are going to happen in early November. They're going to stop happening. I don't know. I don't know. But even if someone has a different opinion than you, 
you could still sit there and be a human being and laugh at some absurd thing that absurd humans do. You know, because we are absurd creatures. And no matter what your political opinion is, you know, there's a part of Mardi Gras in all of us. You know, <laughs> there's a part of us that just want, is, is sick, is sick of being pent up in our homes, you know, walking around our towns or driving around our towns, not seeing people smiling. You know, I hate going out in public and seeing that, you know, there's, is that girl hot? I don't know. <laughs> it's like, I can't tell. It's too Muslim looking around here, if you ask me. It's like, I don't think people should be covering up their faces. That's just my personal opinion. That's you. And, you know, people are, you know, we're, we're social creatures. I don't want to live in a world like that. Do you want to live in a world like that? I'm just trying to end early here, but I got 10 minutes to fill. Apparently. Apparently. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. You know, um, sometimes I have a, I'll, I'll make comments. My, I have a YouTube channel, Shock Monkey Radio, on, on YouTube. And I'll go and I'll make comments on other people's videos. And there's this one comment I made on a, on a Norm MacDonald video. Because uh, I love Norm MacDonald. He's probably one of the funniest, funniest comedians ever. And so um, there was this comment on a uh, Norm MacDonald video. Is something, is some, something to the effect of, um, it's like Norm MacDonald is just trying to entertain himself. If, if we laugh, it's just like collateral damage to him. He doesn't really care if anyone, anyone else is entertained. And I think that that is uh, very Andy Kaufman-esque in many ways. And so, um, yeah, I think that that's brilliant. So, uh, yeah, if you follow me, if you follow me on uh, on YouTube, if you go to Shock Monkey Radio on YouTube, you'll see my liked videos. It's like that that uh, playlist automatically gets updated. And if you watch the videos that I like and stuff like that, there there's a possibility you might find a comment of mine down in there. So it, it you know it's it's worth going through my playlists, you know, on the Shock Monkey Radio YouTube page. And, you know, if you want access to all the video content, go over to Patreon.com/slash/ShockMonkeyRadio. Um, I also have Cash App if you want to send me money. My cash tag is Shock Monkey Radio. Follow me on social media, Shock Monkey Radio Redux on Facebook. I'm also on Parlor. Search for Shock Monkey Radio on Parlor. Free speech. Free speech social media. Uh, I also have a Twitter and uh, Instagram. Uh. Anyway, this has been Shock Monkey Radio. I'm the madman, and I love you.